وَلَقَدْ أَنْ سَرْتَنْلِي آتَيْنَا وِي جَيْفْ دَاوُودَ وَسُلَيْمَانَ دَاوُودَ آن سُلَيْمَانَ عَلَيْهُمَ السَّلَامَ عِلْمَا نَالِجْ Allah gave to both of these prophets, father and son, knowledge. And it wasn't just knowledge that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to both of them. Allah gave them kingship. Allah gave them wealth, power, certain skills, control over so much of the lands, and not just land, but also people and animals and birds and jinn, as we will see. But out of all the blessings that they were given, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that we gave to Dawood and Sulaiman ilm, knowledge. Why knowledge is mentioned? Because knowledge is a blessing that has precedence over all other blessings. Allah says in Surah Al-Mujadira, Ayah 11, يَرْفَعِ اللَّهُ الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا مِنْكُمْ وَالَّذِينَ أُوتُوا الْعِلْمَ دَرَجَاتٍ Allah raises the ranks of those people who believe and who were given knowledge. So those who believe and those who were given knowledge, their ranks are raised by Allah. Allah elevates them. So knowledge is one of the best blessings that a servant can be given. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives knowledge because وَلَقَدْ أَتَيْنَا We gave. Allah gives. But how is it that something can be given? When is it that the process of giving can be complete? When the other receives it. Like we learned earlier that the Prophet ﷺ, وَإِنَّكَ لَتُلَقَّ الْقُرْآنِ He was made to receive the Qur'an. The Prophet ﷺ received it. Allah gave and he received. You know, somebody gives you a gift and you receive. And sometimes in order to receive, you also have to put in the effort. Isn't it? Like for example, somebody can put food in your plate, but then you have to eat it. Somebody could be so nice that they even put the food in your mouth, but you have to chew it. Okay, they might even help you chew it by moving your mouth. Okay? But you have to swallow. Hey, others can help us, they can give us. But we cannot take until we also put in the effort. You know, sometimes we just keep making dua. Oh Allah, you just make me a good person. You just make me a good person. You just make me... You know, someone who prays on time and everything. You know, for example, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wakes us up at Fajr time. For instance, our eyes actually woke up. We heard the alarm. We turned it off. We put it on snooze. Hmm? We did it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did His part. Now we have to do our part also. So knowledge also Allah gives. But we have to receive it. And in order to receive knowledge, we have to do something. We have to seek knowledge. You understand? And seeking knowledge, this is a very, very virtuous deed. We learn in the hadith, the Prophet ﷺ said, whoever takes a path upon which he seeks knowledge, then Allah makes a path to paradise easy for him. When a person is seeking knowledge, what is he seeking? Jannah. When a person is taking ilm, he's actually adopting a way to paradise. And indeed the angels lower their wings in approval to the one seeking knowledge. Lower their wings? You know, generally we understand it as the angels spread their wings out. Like a red carpet that a person, the seeker of knowledge can walk on it. But it also means that the angels lower their wings, meaning wherever they are, they come down. Out of respect 
for the person who's seeking knowledge. So for example, if an angel is high up in the sky, for example, and he sees a person going out to seek knowledge, driving somewhere to seek knowledge, the angel will actually come down. This is what the angels do. Meaning the angels show immense respect for those who are seeking knowledge. Why? Because Adam was given knowledge and Allah told the angels to prostrate to Adam. Why? Because of the ilm, because of the fadilah that Allah gave to Adam. Hmm? I mean, this is the respect that angels show to those who have knowledge. Angels, what should we do then? What should we do then? Should we not show respect? So the angels lower their wings in approval to the one seeking knowledge. And indeed forgiveness is sought for the knowledgeable one by whomever is in the heavens and whomever is in the earth, even the fish in the waters. Even the fish in the water, what do they do? They seek forgiveness for those who are seeking knowledge, for those who have learned knowledge, for those who are spreading knowledge. And the superiority of the scholar over the worshipper is like the superiority of the moon over the rest of the celestial bodies. So when you come here, inshallah, to seek knowledge of the Qur'an, even if it's just a few ayat, think about this. And then, it will be easier to go through the traffic, to drive, to walk, to take the bus. When you go to the mall, who prays for you? Seriously, who prays for you? I'm sure they're making dua, I hope you don't spend all the money. But nobody is making dua that, oh, buy everything you want. You know? But when a person goes to collect ilm, then so many are showing respect to him and so many of Allah's creation are making dua for him. So we should be greedy for what truly benefits us. You want to say something? Of course, this type of knowledge, it refers to the knowledge that Allah has especially taught, meaning, of course, all knowledge comes from Allah. We cannot learn about anything, even about you know, food or nutrition or the world that we live in, unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala facilitates that for us. Right? So ilm definitely refers to the ilm of deen, but even the ilm of dunya, that is being sought for the right reason. And what is that right reason? Hmm? You know, we just put this label for the sake of Allah. What does it mean for the sake of Allah? That you lose your faith in the process? That you become arrogant in the process? That you start looking down on other people who don't have the same degree or who are not seeking a similar degree? Okay, to benefit people. You know, we say we want to benefit people, but then we just want to benefit ourselves because we're looking for the best job. And the definition of the best job is most money. You know, we really need to be honest with ourselves. And thank you for asking that question. Because we say that seeking knowledge is such a good thing. And we are seeking knowledge, alhamdulillah, but we're not really doing it with the right reason, with the right intention, in the right way, in the right method. So, how is it that a person should seek knowledge even of the dunya? Hmm? How? Go ahead. To understand the greatness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Yes. Okay. And what should be that intention? To gain the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay. Let me give you some homework. Okay. I want you to listen to something. And that is, I want you to go on the website, Ahuda website, either ahudapk.com or farhatashmi.com or you can access through Quran for All app and go into Bukhari. Okay, Sahih Bukhari explanation. Kitabul Ilm, the book of knowledge. 
and the first episode or class or whatever recording, okay? I want you to listen to that. This is your homework. Sister Sadia, can you make note of that? And all the group in charges also, can you make note of that inshallah? This is homework. You have to listen to it for tomorrow. Okay? So that you know what it means to seek knowledge. What should our intention be? Okay. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives knowledge and we have to receive it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave knowledge to Dawood and Sulaiman alayhi wa salam. There are a lot of ahadith that show the excellence, the virtue of seeking knowledge. There's a lot of fadila of ilm. So much so that the Prophet ﷺ said that indeed the world is cursed. This dunya is mal'una. Mal'una. Yani, there's no khair in it. Whatever you touch, I mean you love it, but then what happens after a few minutes? You get bored. It gets old. It begins to collect dust. It loses its value. I mean... I want you to remember when you open that box of your brand new phone. Brand new phone. Hmm? What happened? You opened it and you're like, should I take the sticker off or you know the peel off? And then finally you do. And then what happens? Get scratched. And then just let a few months go by and then you know that there's a better phone. There's a better phone. A newer phone. Isn't it? This is the reality of this world. Everything gets... Agent. It loses its value. It's mal'una. It is cursed. Everything. Even the best clothes that you can buy, the best house that you can buy, you know, a new piece of furniture you bring in your house, a new toy. I mean, you see children crying, I want that toy, I want that toy, fighting over it. And then you buy it, and then what happens? You see it thrown on the washroom floor. Really? That's the value? Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. I just wanted to share um, a recent example that I saw. We have a culture of following celebrities and following them on Twitter, Instagram, everywhere. And uh, I was watching this guy who was apparently a celebrity in one of the countries. And uh, he received a letter uh, saying, so-and-so loved you so much. Uh, she was a fan of you. And she did so much for you. And she recently passed away. So we just wanted to let you know. And he goes, oh, I don't know what to say. May she rest in peace. And that was it. And that was such a huge reality check for me that how easily we follow these things. And they, these guys can do anything for us. And especially in youth, it's a huge culture. So it's, uh, this world is really temporary and nobody yes. can benefit us. Yeah. So the Prophet ﷺ said, Indeed the world is cursed. What is in it is cursed. Except for the remembrance of Allah. And what is conducive to that. Meaning anything that is related to Allah's dhikr. So anything that will facilitate that for you, that will make it easier for you, that will lead you to it. So for example, you sit in a car and you go to the masjid to pray. So okay, that car is not mal'una. Alright? You wore those shoes in order to walk to the masjid. Okay, those shoes are not mal'una. But everything else, it's cursed. It's got no khayr in it. Except for the remembrance of Allah, what is conducive to that? The knowledgeable person and the seeker of knowledge. This is what is exempt. So what is not cursed then? Knowledgeable person, meaning the person who has ilm and the person who is seeking more ilm also. This is what we need to seek, ilm. And the things of this dunya, no matter how much you, you get, you get, it just never satisfies you. It never brings you happiness. 
I mean, we deceive ourselves thinking that if I buy that, if I have this, if I buy this furniture, and now you know this will match it, and that will match it, and all of this will go together really nicely. Get it all together. What will happen after a year? You're bored of it. It's outdated. You have to change your artwork now. You have to change this now, that now. This is the larna of this dunya. That it never lets you really be happy. You think you're happy, but you're not happy. Just let one second go by and see how you are the next moment. So seek what is truly beneficial. And what is that? Ilm. The ilm of the deen. So Allah gave ilm to Dawood wa Sulaiman. Wa And both of them said, the father and the son both said, Alhamdulillah, all praise, all thanks, all gratitude, with love, with respect, is for who? Alladhi, the one who faddalana, he preferred us. Allah over kathirin, many, min ibadihil mu'mineen, amongst his believing servants. Out of so many people who believe in Allah, Allah chose us. Allah gave us something that He didn't give to the rest of the believers. See over here, min ibadihil mu'mineen. It's not just creation, it's believers. That even from amongst believers, He gave us something special. He gave us what He did not give to others. Fadbalana. He preferred us. Now both of them said this. Who were these prophets of Allah? Who was Dawood a.s.? Remember, Ibrahim a.s. son Ishaq a.s. Whose son was Ya'qub a.s. Who had 12 sons, one of whom was Yusuf a.s. And he ended up in Egypt. And then the rest of the family also came to Egypt. And then eventually the Bani Israel were enslaved. And then Musa a.s. He rescued them. They crossed the sea. They went on the other side. Musa a.s. said, enter the city. And they refused. They said, we're not fighting. So they remained in the desert for about 40 years. And then Musa a.s. passed away. Harun a.s. passed away. After they their death eventually under the leadership of Yushar bin Nun, the Bani Israel entered their homeland. They were in their homeland and then what happened? After some years again, they were evicted from there. They were evicted from there. They were attacked, they were evicted and then they requested their prophet that please appoint a king for us, a leader for us and under his leadership we will fight our enemy. And this story is mentioned towards the end of the second juz. Alright? And then what happened? A king was appointed. Who was he? You're not sure. Talut or Jalut? One of those guys. <laughs> Talut. Okay? Talut was chosen as king. Then what happened? Eventually they left in order to fight Jalut. And many of the people who were under him, they got left behind. Because remember the test that they had to go through? That the water, you can only take a handful. But many of them took you know, more than a handful. So it is said that at the end only 313 people were left in the army of Talut. And amongst them was also a soldier by the name of Dawood. Alright? And what did he do? He killed Jalut. وَقَتَلَ دَاوُودُ Jalut. Dawood killed Jalut. And what happened? Because of this reason, Talut was very happy with Dawood. Alright? He made him marry his daughter. And then when Talut died, who became the king? Dawood became the king. And Allah gave Dawood prophethood also. So Dawood king, prophet. And not just king and prophet, but he was also given a special skill. In Surah Al-Anbiya, we have learned about how Dawood he could mold iron into whatever shape and form he wanted. 
Right? وَأَلَنَّا لَهُ الْحَدِيدِ We softened iron for him. And because of that, he was the first one to make chain mail. Before people had plated armor. Now they had different kind of armor that was actually made of chain mail so it could bend easily. Alright? More flexible also. So this is Dawood a.s. Sulaiman a.s. was his son. And remember that when Dawood a.s. was king and prophet, Sulaiman a.s. was given wisdom even at that time. Because remember we learned earlier about the case that was brought in the presence of Dawood a.s. And he made the judgment, but Sulaiman a.s. suggested something else which was much better. فَفَهَّمْنَاهَا Sulaiman. Right? When Dawood a.s. died, who became the king? Sulaiman a.s. became the king. Why? Because this was some kind of dynasty, like really children were being preferred. Was that the reason? Sulaiman a.s. had the talent. It wasn't simply because he was the son of Dawood a.s. that he was made the king. He had the talent. And this is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also gave him prophethood. Remember, prophethood is not earned. It is not acquired. It is given. It is given. You could argue Dawood made his son the king. Okay. But could he transfer prophethood to him? No way. Who could give him prophethood? Only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we see in these ayat why Allah chose this father and this son. Why Allah chose Dawood and Sulaiman Look at their humility. First of all, their acknowledgement that Allah has given us all these blessings. Look at their shukr, their gratitude. Confession of Allah's blessings and then accepting those blessings and then being grateful for those blessings. This is really, you know, a sign that they were people of ilm. Alhamdulillahi alladhi faddalana ala kathirin min ibadihi al-mu'mineen. He chose us. He preferred us over so many believers. You know, their knowledge is being celebrated. Because ilm is really a blessing that should be celebrated. Meaning a person should be happy about this blessing. And with this knowledge and glory that Allah gave them, you don't see pride over here, but you see humility. You see they said, Alhamdulillah. Hamd is praise. You know, you praise someone. You praise someone for their qualities. But it's not just praising someone for their qualities. It's praising them with love. Unless and until these two Things are combined, praise and love, it is not hamd. Hamd is only when there is love and praise, both. And why would you praise someone you love? You're thanking them. So this is why it also has an element of gratitude. Now, it seems as though, you know, if we were to talk about the blessings that Allah has given to us with others, that would be like showing off. Hmm? Like for instance, if as a family you're sitting together and your mom says, you know, Alhamdulillah, we have a house. Alhamdulillah, we have a car. Alhamdulillah, we have this much money, this and this and this. Alright? You might think like, why is my mom saying that? What's the reason? But why is it that a mother would talk about such things with her children? To make them feel grateful. To make them feel that you're not deprived. You have not been deprived. Allah has given us something. So, Tahdith al-Nirma, talking about blessings... It produces feelings of gratitude. It makes us feel positive. And this is something that we must include in our conversations. You know, if you talk about your pain in front of other people, what are you going to hear from them? Their pains. 
Hmm? Doesn't it happen that you come back from a very long walk and you're like, oh, my back is hurting. What is the other person going to say? My back is hurting too. Right? I mean, so many times, elderly ladies, when they sit together, one says, oh, my knees, I have this problem now. And the other will say, oh, my back, I have this problem now. My doctor's appointment went like this. And the other will give a much worse story. You know, when you talk about problems, you generate a conversation that is all about problems and difficulties and trials and pain and hardship. But when you talk about good things, then the other person is also going to talk about good things. So these are the conversations that we need to start having with each other in our families and also amongst our friends. Now, one more thing we see over here is two special favors that Sulaiman was given. First of all, language of the birds. And secondly, wealth. Earlier we learned about ilm, that he was given ilm. So three things, ilm, language of the birds, and thirdly, wealth. And these three things, definitely, they are keys to success of a nation. Meaning, as if as a community we want to prosper, then we need to gain knowledge. Language also. Different languages. Right? Why? Because the more languages you know, what's the benefit? The more people you can communicate with. The more cultures and histories and backgrounds you will come to know of. Right? Because, you know, for instance, if you know only English, then what's the advantage? You can read things in English. You can watch movies that are in English, for example. Right? You can sit in classes that are being taught in English. But let's say you go to a class where the professor is teaching in French. Or let's say there is a book which is in French. Then what do you need to do? You need to know French. You know, so many times people ask me, which books do you use to prepare your notes? I'm like, I use books that are in Urdu and in Arabic and some in English. Very few, maybe two or three. But there's a wealth of knowledge in Urdu and in Arabic. Arabic, alhamdulillah, people are realizing that it's necessary to learn Arabic. But for so many people, for instance, Urdu is their mother tongue, but they don't know how to read and write Urdu. And if your mother speaks Urdu, she can read Urdu, she can write in Urdu and you can't, Please learn, if you can, those of you who are able to. Because honestly, once you develop the skill, there's so much that you can learn, so much. Whatever your mother tongue is, French, Urdu, Somali, Swahili, whatever it is, you have the advantage of learning that language in your very own house. And if you don't learn that language, you're depriving yourself. We really are depriving ourselves. So what's the benefit of learning more languages? You learn different ways of understanding things. Like um, every culture has different ways of understanding, like expressions and such. And like even symbolism, you look at it from different cultures' perspectives and it comes out like in different ways. Light could mean something in some culture and something else in another. So... Sulaiman salam, he even knew the language of the birds. Now, this teaches us that birds communicate with each other. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an that so many creatures, illa umamun, that they are umam just like you. Meaning they are communities like you. In the sense that don't just look at them as, oh, 
it's just a spider. Oh, it's just a bird. No, birds also communicate. Birds also travel. Birds also see and observe and feel and defend themselves. You know, if we study the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we only look at it from a very any physical perspective. How do they eat? How do they reproduce? And things like that. How do they defend themselves? There's more to their lives than just these, you know, these chemical things. So, إِنَّ هَذَا لَهُوَ الْفَضْلُ الْمُبِينَ Indeed, this is surely an evident bounty, an evident favor of Allah. وَحُشِرَ And it was assembled, it was gathered from Hashr. And Hashr is to gather from all different places. لِسُلَيْمَانَ For Sulaiman alayhi salam, جُنُودُهُ His soldiers. A great kingdom means a great army. So, his army, his soldiers, they were gathered for him in one place. And these soldiers were from among who? Min al-jinni wal-ins. Among jinn and ins. Which means that Sulaiman didn't just rule over people, he also ruled over jinn. Wattayr and birds. So his armies, not just people, in addition to people, jinn, as well as birds. Fahum so they yuzaroon. They were marching in rows or they were arranged. Now, the word yuzaroon is from the root letters waw, zai, ain, wazr. Waza, it means kaffun nafs an hawaha. It is to restrain the nafs from following its desire. This is the literal meaning of wazr. To restrain the nafs from following its wishes. Now, wazrul jaysh, wazr of an army means to set the army, to arrange the army in rows, divide in groups, no one being allowed to go forward except with the permission of the leader. You understand? This is where the meaning of restraining comes. Because if you have a group of people who are armed with weapons, what do you think they're going to want to do? Just run and fight. Right? But there has to be some order and some discipline. So in keeping the army organized in rows, in groups... Alright? Under the command of a leader, this is called waz'ul jaysh. Alright? So it's basically to restrain in order to keep order, in order to keep arrangement. So this means that this entire army, junood of Sulaiman alayhi salam, were they a random crowd? Hmm? No, how were they? Organized, disciplined. And you're talking about jinn and birds. Just imagine birds arranged in rows, jinn arranged in rows, people also arranged in rows, yuzaroon. And this is another key reason for success. In addition to knowledge of languages and money and all of that, there's one more reason we learn over here, organization and discipline. 